On the Build Up podcast in association with Labrooks this week, we previewed a massive weekend of Irish sport, including a chat with Stephen Ferris about the upcoming Ireland-Wales World Cup warm-up game. And of course, we got his reaction to the Ireland squad. You can listen to that right now. If you want to listen to the entire podcast, make sure to check it out on Balls.ie podcasts or indeed the Build Up on Balls.ie. Search either of those terms in your favourite podcast app and you'll be able to hear it there. But now, over to Stephen. Stephen, a lot has happened since we were chatting to you last week. Um, we'll chat about the Wales game in a second. But first of all, uh, what was your reaction to the squad? And of course, uh, Dev Toner missing out, someone you would have played with as well, but in the squad in general. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a strange week, guys. I think there should be a lot of excitement, a lot of hype, a lot of positive energy after the squad being announced. But it all, almost seems like it's the opposite. And I think that's due to a couple of guys who everybody thought we're going to get selected and, and haven't. Um, there's been a couple of big decisions made by Joe Smith and I think the biggest decision was to leave out Devin Toner who he's relied upon on numerous occasions over the last seven, eight years uh, for Leinster and for Ireland. So um, it's a huge call. Uh, John Klein who you know only qualified to play for Ireland a few days before the Italy game um, is now going to a World Cup ahead of somebody who's given their heart and soul the Irish rugby for the last what, 15 years. Uh, so, you know, as you can imagine, people aren't happy. Um, you know, especially Devin Toner fans, uh, people that have played with them, you know, there's been guys like Luke Fitzgerald who have been extremely vocal online in, in terms of giving their opinion of, of how they feel. Uh, but, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Smith is making decisions to try and win a World Cup and if he, if he makes the right decisions and somebody like Klein, you know, comes up trumps at a World Cup, then you know, you got to respect that. How do you feel about it as a player, as a, a former player yourself, Stephen, as like, you know, someone that, you know, did everything you could to, to wear the green and yeah. to, you know, overcome so many injuries a lot throughout your career and all to always get to these big matches and these World Cups and everything like that. Is there something that kind of like grates you about the idea of somebody who kind of hasn't, not even about them being Irish or not Irish, but I suppose not being with the squad in the hard yards and building up to the World Cup? Yeah. Fuck yeah, uh, I suppose there there obviously is, you know, born and bred on the island of Ireland, I've always dreamt of representing, you know, Ulster in Ireland um, and pulling on that green jersey and, you know, I think the question for me is that, you know, does playing for Ireland mean as much to the foreign guys who have come in, served their time, um, the residency rule, they've stayed here for three years and then they're able to represent Ireland or they come over you know, they've lived for 15, 20 years in New Zealand or South Africa, but all of a sudden they have a, you know, a granny who's who's Irish and they play they play for Ireland. Does it mean as much to them to represent Ireland as it does to me, or it did to me, or it did to Jimmy Heaslip, or it did to Luke Fitzgerald? I, I'm I don't know. I, I don't have that answer. And I suppose the likes of CJ Stander, Bundyaki, you know, uh, Klein, they're all going to say that. You know, it means the whole world to them to play play for Ireland, and you know, it's a country that's embraced those guys. It's, they've opened their door and invited them in, and they've been tremendous servants to, to um, club rugby and to Irish rugby. But is there somebody else in the system that's just as good as playing in the second row? Is there somebody? Well, from in my opinion, there probably is, and that's Devon Toner. So, yeah, it, it's it's a subject that. I reckon it could be argued until the cows come home because everybody has so many different opinions on it. 
Um, and I think the easy decision for Joe to keep everybody happy would have been just to pick um, Devin Toner. But he believes that Klein is a better player than Devin Toner, and that's the reason why he's on the plane. And um, you know, he's got a lot of decisions correct over the last number of years. And if he gets this one correct, then you know, I think a lot of Irish fans will be eating humble pie. And um, but my opinion on it, um, it's one that I think I'm really undecided. Mm. I, I'm still not sure. Uh, I, I'm, you guys are maybe the same. I don't, I don't know what your feelings are on it either, but. Um, I think sometimes you got you got to just reflect, and you know the amount of time and effort that Klein and Bundyaki and CJ Stander and the likes of have put into actually getting to this country and and trying to play for Ireland is colossal. Like it really is, mm. and they've put in hard yards in their own countries growing up. Um, it, just, it just doesn't happen that you jump on a plane the next thing you're playing for Ireland. Like there's a lot of hard yards done before actually. Um, getting on the plane to come over here, so um, yeah, it's a it's a touchy subject uh, for me personally. I think sometimes um, people say too much on it, and you know, would would go with their heart instead of actually thinking about you know the credentials that some of these players have um, and what impact they could have on the Irish team. Um, and yeah, it's it's as I say, lads, it's a, it's one of those ones where. We could sit and chat about all day long. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where it's all uh, the timing of it as well is makes it even more strange. Someone like CJ Stander, everybody was waiting for him to qualify and that you know he could uh, get on that uh, green jersey. Whereas with John Klein, it was that in fact that it just comes right before the World Cup and also that it's at the expense of Devon Toner. But in terms of the technical aspects, even now looking ahead to the World Cup, there's been a lot of chat about who's going to call the line out. Obviously, this is the big talking point in terms of the line-out malfunctioning against England. James yeah. Ryan has been doing it, but I've been reading a lot and hearing a lot over the last week about how it's so difficult to be a tight-head scrummager and both call the line-out. So for in layman's terms, what exactly do you, do you need to have for those two roles and why is it so difficult for uh, one player to do them? Is it something that maybe Henderson will end up calling the line-out and Ryan might just be... Yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm, not sure about that. I'm not sure about that whole tight head scrummaging thing I'm not sure about that at all um, I think it's really who's comfortable with doing it um, Ian Henderson called a lot of lineouts for the British and Irish Lions team he was playing in the midweek teams um, most of the time and he was calling the lineouts and done a pretty good job of it um, gained a lot of experience there so um, if I was going to put any money in somebody who's going to start in the first game against Scotland and call the lineout it would probably be Ian Henderson Um He's just got a bit more experience than Ryan. Um, is everybody's talking about Ryan being a future captain of Ireland? They should give him it now, but you know, uh, sooner rather than later. He's a leader. He's a born born leader and everything else. But you know, this guy's under a severe amount of pressure. He's a young young man, and I think getting a World Cup under his belt and just letting him play his own game is the best way of getting the best out of James Ryan. So, um, yeah, I, I think the technical aspect of it is. It's not difficult to call the right line out. If you ever feels comfortable doing it um, and doesn't panic and doesn't get unsettled, and you know when you, you lose a line out, you go back to a banker ball, or you, you know you go back to something very simple. You seen it the weekend against Wales, it three one. They didn't even have to jump out the front of the line out again just to get the ball in and away, get everybody a bit of confidence. So it's just about yeah, whoever's feeling comfortable uh, wrapping it out in training. Um, 
But again, lads, if we go back to the, the, the old um, questions that you threw at me there earlier on, if Devin Toner was in the squad, he would be certainly the guy who would be calling the line out. So mm. um, maybe it's another question mark over team selection once again. Yeah, I suppose it, it is one of those, like, there's there's a few things in it. One is that, like, as, as much as Toner, you know, is necessarily being left out for Jean Klein, I suppose, in a way, you also have to think of, like, the starting team as well. And it does look like, you know, it's it's a, a kind of a nod, I suppose, for a former teammate of yours, Ian Henderson, who's been kind of, you know, someone that we all think you know, automatically the start of every tournament is like going to be first choice, but yeah. then seems to sort of always come in now the team. And a lot of that has to do with injury, but it does seem now like yeah. that we've looked at, right, this is our second row partnership um, in, in terms of starting uh, with Henderson at, at four and Ryan at five. And it, it, it is almost, this this could be a really big World Cup for Ian Henderson as well. Yeah, it could be. I think one thing with me when I played was the less um, pressure or that I had on me the, the better so if I was given things to do in a match I hated it like I didn't want, I didn't want to be the captain I didn't want to have to go out and do the team talk or the, the toss the coin or any of that I just wanted to focus on my own game and the reason why was because that's what got the best out of me so Joe has to go say what's who am I going to get the best out of is it Ian Henderson or is it Ryan when calling the line out if it's Henderson you know sometimes that added pressure takes away from the rest of your game and I think we've kind of seen that, especially in the England game. You know, the, the two second rows were anonymous for the most part of the uh, of, of the match. Um, and, you know, that's that's the question that I would ask. With, you know, who's going to deal with this pressure most? Who's most comfortable? And is it going to take away from other aspects of the game? Where somebody like Paul O'Connell thrives in that, in, in that pressure environment. He loved taking responsibility where others just didn't. I didn't like responsibility at all. And, you know, somebody like Donald O'Callaghan was exactly the same. He just wanted somebody to tell him exactly where to go and what to do, and that was it. So, um, you know, the modern game has changed slightly, and um, everybody, 1 to 15, seems to have responsibility a lot more nowadays. But, um, you know, for sure, it's a huge, huge World Cup for Ian Henderson. And, you know, he's going to have to want to start every single match and go out and prove himself that he's one of the best second rooms in the world. I was watching the Wales game last weekend, Stephen, and I couldn't help but laugh. It was like your messages were from this podcast were ringing in the ears of some of the players uh, in the first half, especially the likes of Will Addison, Kilcoyne, uh, Andrew Conway. They were doing exactly what you were called for, which was kind of taking it upon themselves to drive at Wales, to get big hits on, to make yards. You must yeah. have been a lot happier with that performance. Yes, absolutely was. And it just shows you the, the tone that it sets. You know, when you have Kilcoyne smashing people and making big carries and Harrison running back with um, Venom, like, he, he, every time he got the ball, he seemed to just explode. And, um, you know, Conway, who I think has been a revelation, he's been superb, really, really good. And I think he's ahead of Larmer, definitely, in the pecking order. I know Brandon Disco was, was saying his long, or is Conway ahead of him. I think he certainly is. Um, and that's what you want. You just want a couple of sparks, a couple of game-changing moments that happen. And before you know it, you're you know you're on the front foot, and the Welsh team are on the back foot, and it just gives everybody a lift. And you know, somebody like Kilcoyne uh, commented on his Instagram that he's just so explosive and powerful. And when you have a guy who's maybe 115 kgs um, with that energy and that pace, because um, he can move for a big big fella, he, you know, it just it's really good added value to the squad. So um, yeah, he, I reckon he could definitely find himself. Start in the first game of Ken Healy isn't fit. 
Mm, interesting. Um, there's, I suppose these warm-up games are always less about results and more about the little things that you can take from them and combinations and everything as such. And I, one that I was interested in what you thought of it and how it worked was the kind of back row dynamic with uh, Tyg Byrne at six yeah. and Peter Matney at seven. And, like, you know, it, it's a combination that if they thought about it in the World Cup, certainly with, with, with Henderson and Ryan in the second row, is certainly going to help the line out, if nothing else. But what did you make of it yeah. in kind of the more the more, uh, you know, first-up duties of the back row? Yeah, well, I think Peter Romani looked a lot busier. He looked like he was had more involvement in the game, gave more of an impact on the game. I still think there's something not right about it. You know, Byrne just, he's not a big ball-carrying six. He doesn't run around smashing people. He's more of a, the way he plays the game, he's more of a seven. Like, you know, the way he gets over the ball and throws a break down, um, down, I've just, I'm just not sold yet on the on the back row. Again, Conan, I was probably expecting a little bit more. Yeah. Um, he had a massive opportunity to go out and show himself, especially with CJ putting in a really uh, poor performance against England, and it it just didn't fire for me. Um, and hopefully, there's a lot more to come. But it just shows that Joe now has options. You know, he he can put out Bernie, he can put out a man, he can put out Conan, and and I think they can get a good job done. Uh, but I still think they're 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 missing somebody like you know who can really give them go forward and you know somebody like a Marcel could see at Ulster. That's the type of player that I think Ireland are missing in the back row. Uh, we mentioned uh, Addison there earlier on. He's one of those players that has narrowly missed out on the squad, but could well find himself uh, in Japan at some stage because inevitably there are going to be injuries, and you always almost always have these uh, players in reserve get called up. Yeah, uh, at least one or two. How do these guys get their head right? Get you know back at the wheel again? That because they kind of have to process the disappointment, but then also realize that they have to be ready to go. Mark, I, I can understand that call, and I think Joe Smith probably made the right call. Well, Allison has played hardly any rugby like in a year. He's come come back from a couple of big injuries. Um, you know, I think he had back surgery. He was struggling with a groin injury. Um, you know, I, I think Joe probably made the right call there because somebody like him who could be on the plane could break down very, very easily, especially with the limited squad that you have. There's so much more training that you have to do. Um, in, in the match weeks, when especially when you're trying to play like the opposition for the starting team, um, and somebody like him to break down. So I don't think he's feeling the same disappointment that Devon Toner's feeling. You know, I think Devon Toner thought, especially with the line out going pear shaped against uh, against England, he's in with, with a fairly good chance um, of making the squad. But you know, Will's just got to keep the head down, keep himself fit. He's in with the players still at the minute, um, trying to prove it. He's, uh, he, he can keep mixing it. So, you know, just keep the head down, keep working hard. He might get a game or two for Ulster. Um, I'd, I'd say Joe's probably spoken to all the lads to say keep yourselves fit and keep yourselves um, as fresh as you can because you just don't know when that phone's going to ring. Yeah, I think a lot of people taking uh, holidays to Japan uh, with the, with the hope of, I know Shorty was saying Tom he's gone fishing I think yeah <laughs> Tom Court Tom yeah. Court maybe Tom that. Court could go to Japan on holidays actually yeah if yeah still... actually that's a, that's a great tweet to stick out later on lads <laughs> they were the only notes we had written down before the show um, <laughs> Tell me uh, just one more thing on la- on last week's game, and we we'll look ahead and and look at our kind of tips for for uh, the Aviva this weekend. Uh, 
you know, one of the things that kind of we were talking about um, with Morris on, on a rugby show yesterday was that, like, you know, Ireland had a later preseason, at least seemingly, than the likes of England and possibly Wales. And, you know, we kind of had a, a run around against Italy. We played for maybe 20 minutes against England and we probably played for about 50, 55 minutes against Wales. You know, you're hoping that that's yeah. stepping up in every game. And by the time we reach Scotland, everybody's at full pace. But I'm just wondering, we talked yeah. about kind of the intensity and the importance of, of, of the warm up games with you before but I've actually I, I'm I'm interested in the idea of a preseason in general for rugby players in that like how much do you have to how much do you have to build yourself back up how much do you lose in the summer it's a long time since you've played competitive rugby you haven't played since May maybe even you know yeah. like late April early May and suddenly you're kind of going into what the Scotland game will be very suddenly one of the biggest games of your entire career. What is it? Is is, yeah. it, is it a lot of kind of fitness work? Is it strength work? What what exactly goes into it? Yeah, to be honest, I think in years gone by, it's a load of bollocks, to be honest with you. I think um, it's, the, you know, standing on a line and running 100 metres after 100 metres after 100 metres. Like, you know, I remember the day of training with Ulster and having eight weeks of that before playing playing your first game. Like, and it's like, this isn't making me a better rugby player. Yeah. Like, this is just making me better running up and down a pitch and, like, running with a sled on my back with 50 kgs on it. Um, I think nowadays the preseason is a lot more ball-specific where, you know, you play conditioning games, you're working on your skills while you're fatigued. Um, you know, when you're in the gym, it's more explosiveness. It's more um, game-related, uh, you know, weightlifting instead of just getting in there and trying to clean and jerk as much as you possibly can to set the biggest number, which it, that, that's what it used to be. And I think Brian O'Driscoll and O'Connell and all back in the day at 2007 World Cup, all we did was train and train and train and train without, without a rugby ball. I was just get bigger, get stronger, get faster, get fitter. And that was it. Where I think it's changed massively. But as, as the last couple of weeks have, have proved that, you know, there's nothing that can get you sharp other than a game. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how many weights you lift or how many times you run up and down the pitch with a ball in your hand. You gotta, you gotta get some game time. And that's what is slightly concerning when you look at players like Keith Earls and Johnny Sexton who have played zero minutes mm. and they've won match before they're going to probably start against uh, against a, a pretty strong Scotland squad and um, you know their tails are going to be up they seem to have uh, they're starting to peak a bit as well um, starting to get a bit more consistency in their performances so yeah it's pre-season I, I think lads it changes every couple of years you know the thing to do five, six years ago was to go to Spala in Portugal and stand in an ice chamber for an hour, like, you know, and then like two years later it's um something completely different. You know, it's 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 running four hundred meter intervals instead of doing twenty meter in- intervals and then two years after that it's um you know, it's all about explosiveness. So God knows what it's gonna be like in another two or three years time it'll change again and there won't be any pre season. It'll just be like mini matches amongst each other or something like that. But um, yeah, just to reiterate my point there, I think it's it's more about getting game time um, yeah. against good opposition and um, not running the legs off yourself and feeling fatigued 
coming into those first games as, as Ireland really, really did against Italy and England. Yeah, so hopefully we will be getting some, seeing some of that game time, the precious game time for Sexton, for Earls, and for Henshaw, I suppose, as well. Um, yeah, Robbie. Yeah, so, and, and you know, we kind of want Conor Murray out there as well. After You know, there's a lot of players that you kind of want to see this weekend. And, you know, we're just looking at it here. The, ta- the tables have turned. Um, I don't know whether it's because of Ireland's performance last week or because of Wales' performance or because we're at home. But um, the handicap this week on Ladbrokes is Ireland minus six. Um, yeah. at, at 10 to 11 both ways and the draw 25 to one. Uh, Ireland four to nine to win the game. Wales 15 to eight. Um, yeah, like I don't know. Again, it's 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 kind of tough with these warm up games, but uh, you know, Ireland did. Ireland uh, unfortunately ended your your run of uh, success on the show so far last week by, yeah, by well, somehow going ever, out and winning ever, the game. However, lads, lads, hold on a second. I said about the team sheets being named. Like I didn't know the Wales <laughs> were going to send it. <laughs> Send out their seed team, like it's a fair I mean? point, yeah. I suppose if, if somebody is taking your advice here, it might be worth kind of seeing what's changed in the interval, all right, yeah. And Wales playing a load of guys nobody's ever heard of probably wasn't <laughs> wasn't the greatest no, endorsement no. of your pick. No, well, there is chat. There was chat um, last week that there was almost a gentleman's agreement between Gatland and Smith to play a weaker a weakened team in Wales and then go go full bore in Dublin this weekend. So I would be expecting both teams to go full bore in terms of um, their full strength team because, you know, their, their first game of the Rugby World Cup is only two weeks after that. So, um, I, you know, that six-point six margin, I, I feel wheels will, will turn up the heat. I think they're going to come with a physicality that the English have come to, to Dublin with in the past. Um, and you know that six points, I think, is a pretty big margin. Again, lad, you got to take in the weather. Um, it's, I know it's been pretty miserable this week. If it's a wet, dry, or a wet, windy day, you know, it could make for lower scoring. Also, so you got to take that into consideration. Um, I, I would like to see Ireland win the match. You know what? You know the draw on the. The draw on the spread is probably not a bad shot. You know, Ireland to win by six points or something would be a bad shot yeah. um, on on the spread. Um, but I, I think I think Wales are are going to come with a bit of a bit of bite to them this weekend, and you know Warren Gatland wouldn't have liked getting beaten at home in his last game. Um, didn't matter what team he put out, um, you know that would have hurt him slightly. So mm. um, he'd be trying to get trying to get one back. So yeah, Ireland to sneak a win, but maybe within the handicap for Wales. Good stuff, Stephen. Thanks very much for chatting to us, and we'll chat you again next week. No worry, lads. Cheers, mate. Cheers, man. Great stuff there from Stephen, as always. It's an interesting one. Like the, There's two aspects, really, I suppose, to Tony being dropped. There's the actual performance part, which we discussed you know, in terms of the line-out, in terms of just in general play, and uh, should the likes of Jean Klein go ahead of him. But then there's also, like we said, the the fact that Klein has only recently qualified, and it probably leaves a taste in some people's mouths in terms of, you know, this is, like we were saying, Tony born and bred Irishman. But like it is all right to not really be sure yeah, where you stand on this because it is not—it's not a black and white uh, area. Like there's 
so much it's such a like in terms of a, a person's personal identity their national identity um it's such a complicated and there's so it's so complicated and there's so many myriads of factors me and morris talked about this a good bit on the world union podcast yesterday which is back and you can get it in the, this feed or the balls of e feed or the rugby feed or wherever you're listening and uh a really good podcast uh <laughs> so we talked about this a good bit and like my thing is everybody seems to come down in a you're you know some sort of weird nationalistic asshole if you don't if you think that these lads shouldn't be playing for ireland or they shouldn't be playing and what does the green jersey even mean and 1916 or shit and there seems to be nothing in between you know and it is the epitome of an in-between uh situation you know like it, it is a completely gray area that is kind of it's hard to know what to feel about it and it's it's like look cj stander bundyaki have been around for a long time. They've lived in Limerick and Galway, respectively, for a long time. They've been here for five years. They're part of the community. They're part of the rugby clubs, obviously, that thousands go and see every week. And they're part of the community, right, in the same way as anybody working here is, in the same way as that there's nothing wrong with nationalised citizenship, you know? Like, see, like I lived in Australia for one year, 13 years ago, and I always feel an affinity with maybe not the entire country, but definitely the city where I live. Barbecuing you know? every night. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, not not quite, but it's a different thing than, than actually working as an adult and yeah. like getting married as both of those guys have, you know, while living here and starting their families, you know, like it is, it, this idea that they're in no way Irish, I think is a kind of a, is a very glib and easy thing to say just because they did come here as professional rugby players, but loads of people have come here to work. And more importantly, a lot of Irish people have left, yeah. you know, these shores to go and find work. You know what I mean? And I think that these things can be fluid and they can be both New Zealand and South African and Irish, you know, all at the same time. Um, but the other part of it is, though, that the more common it becomes, the more you feel that this is just a professional business that has been, you know, as opposed yeah. to this kind of team that you get behind and you're, you know, does it become more like a club team then that you support because that's where you're from, but the actual players are nothing to do with you, you know, like, so I, I just think it's so, so um, great and and that's okay, you know, yeah. and I think that the five-year rule is going to change things massively. It's going to become a lot less common. Five years is a long time to be playing club rugby. You're Even then, they're going to have short international careers because they're going to be older, etc., yeah, exactly. etc. And the idea that you can't nationalise, that people can't change their nationality based on residency is kind of nonsense. You actually, I don't think there's anything they can do to stop that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Five years does seem a little bit more... Like by that stage, like there are players. I remember I did a study on it when I was in college for my master's, where I was just kind of exploring that theme of national identity among the Irish soccer team. Mm. And like when you look, go into it, like there were a couple of studies I got managed to be able to read that were more academic than just newspaper headlines or whatever, um, from some ex Irish players. And it's really interesting when you look at the likes of there are obviously people like, say, Gary Breen, Kevin Kilban, who were born in England, but they're entire national identities they're Irish mm-hmm. there are others who have sort of that June nationality that they grew up kind of feeling uh, you know affinity to both Jack Grealish probably being a good example yeah. a recent example Declan Rice yeah exactly but there are others like say I remember Andy Townsend I think it was who spoke about how he hadn't much like he obviously had the Irish ancestry but he, wa- he wasn't like you know banging the green yeah. and gold drum or whatever when he was a youngster but then he qualified for Ireland started playing for Ireland and then through his experience 
throughout his international career playing with Ireland, getting to know the Irish culture, Irish people, he then felt as Irish as anybody. Yeah. And like that's one of those things that it's not necessarily, you don't have to be born with a fiddle in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's fluid, yeah. yeah. Andy Townsend's a funny one, actually, to go off point because I remember uh, Andy Townsend was the guy who went and did commentary on ITV for years and became their main commentator, so therefore did the England games and all. And it seemed like he paid no attention to Ireland whatsoever. He did very little Irish media and everything yeah. once he retired for lots of different reasons, I'm sure. But I remember then, like, literally had written him off as somebody that, like, forgot he even played for Ireland, you know? And then he was in studio one time and they were doing analysis on an England match. Now, it wasn't a big England match, but the the um, but it was a huge Ireland match playing the same night. And the presenter called him out and said, you actually haven't even been watching this match, Andy. You've been watching the Ireland match on the small little screen beside you. And he just kind of started laughing. He goes, no, no, I've, I've done my analysis, I've done my analysis. But I was just like, I was never as happy. I, it's yeah. such a weird thing, but I felt also- really, I felt delighted that Andy cared more about the Ireland game that was on than the actual job he was doing on the night, which was to analyse the England match. Yeah, he also, remember he was involved in the co-commentary on, was it ITV or was one of the stations anyway when uh, Robbie Brady scored that goal against Italy? Then you could hear, it's like the commentators commentating and you just hear Andy Townsend coming across and going, yes, get in! <laughs> so like I said, and again, he will still always refer to England though as we when he's on them, on those co-commentaries because he can, he has you know he really does have dual nationality you can be both you don't have to be it's not an either or thing yeah. like I said it's a grey area my last point on this is that Joe Schmidt's job is to pick a rugby team based on the people that are available to him and New Zealand or Joe Schmidt uh, yeah <laughs> so it's another example of one <laughs> but I, I think I think it can be something that comes into his consideration but it shouldn't be the most important one and the only reason it should is because you're thinking about squad dynamics and all and it's nothing to do with Irish or not Irish it's to do with new guy versus very popular uh, very nice very established guy who would be decent around the squad and actually we know Devin Toner a little bit. We know that he's the kind of guy who'd put the arm around the younger players, guide them through the World Cup a little bit, and that's not to be forgotten. And that's why I think that there's a lot of us thinking of from a rugby point of view and from a squad dynamics point of view, thinking like we still probably would have picked Toner. But Joe Schmidt, who knows more about rugby than any of us, picked Klein. But it was definitely a tight call. But I just don't think that where he's from or whether he's technically Irish or not is one of those decisions and it shouldn't be for the no. coach is what I mean yeah yeah I think it's more that it just comes it's more that's the fan thing of when you're you know reacting to it rather than I don't think it would come into his uh, reckoning at all definitely not uh, but anyway Mick it's time for a big shout right, hold it Steady. just hold it Alan push him out Steady David don't get round no, no. don't bloody so as always, we're back with a big shout. One week, we're going to actually manage to win this, Mick. Uh, if it's your first time listed, this is the segment where one of us in the podcast is charged with coming up with a 25 to 1 or greater shout for the weekend. And if it comes off, we win two cakes in a sports biography. But the great news is that you also have that opportunity. If you have a big shout for the weekend, be sure to email the gaffer at balls.e or tweet us, Instagram us, get in touch with us on Facebook at balls.dotie. Like we said, all it has to be is a shout for the weekend sport that's 25 to 1 or greater. If it comes off, you will win two cakes in a sports biography. Last week, I had to do it. I, uh, I went with Andrew Beef Johnson in the Swiss Masters, or the European Masters, Masters I should say, in Switzerland. Uh, didn't really he didn't disgrace himself, but he wasn't in the reckoning for uh for any kind of each wave and um but 
That being said, and it wouldn't I, matter anyway because it would. You needed to win for I the twenty-five to, to one exactly. for the big show. It was a yeah. bit of a mad uh, finish to that, though. It was a four-way tie. It went to a, <laughs> it went to a playoff. So it was definitely worth. If anyone who was watching it to see how beef got on, it was worth their while watching it. Unfortunately, not just uh, it wasn't for beef. Uh, but the other one I had mentioned, just as a throwaway comment, was my uh, my initial twenty-five to one shout, which had nothing to do with statistics or facts or any sort of research it was just entirely based on the people i had sold in my fantasy football wildcard and i had said to yuri uh, tielmans gilfie sigurdsson and harry kane all to score any time in a treble tielmans scored kane scored and gilfie sigurdsson set up uh everton's oh, first God. goal and everton scored three goals yeah like you know there's a I great so chance sigurdsson's gonna score one of them like yeah so i think for the rest of the year my big shouts are going to be entirely based on the feelings in my waters Okay, yeah. but Mick, this week it's your turn. So we've been going for accumulators and doubles, and you know players to score and everything like that. I'm going to keep it really simple this week, and it's the reason we're doing it now is because based on what we just talked about, I thought Stephen was going to gazump me actually at one stage, but he was actually going for the the handicap draw. That's not what I'm going for. I'm going for something very very simple. I want to win this, this these two cakes of the sports biography, right? Yep. I've been looking. I've been going through our sports biographies out there. I've got I've got the one I want picked out and everything right. So I'm going for the minimum allowed bet, 25 to 1. Oh. It's Ireland, Wales, Saturday afternoon, a draw. A draw. And I'll tell you why. Because this is going to be borderline test match level, right? In everything but the result. Like the result isn't going to matter as much. It's the kind of thing that if, you know... I just think that it could end up a draw in another game where somebody might, you know, burst through for the win, you know, try and get the win, not accept it, you know, kick the points rather than kick the corner or kick the corner rather than kick the points as it might be. And because the result isn't the most important thing, there's a feeling that I think it might just land on it. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that there's, I'm making a big shout now to say that there's a good chance of happening and it's 25 to 1. And that's what I'm going to win two cakes in a sports biography. I don't think in this. Although I, I've contradicted myself there, I said I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd one that this week we learned that everybody watched.